Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. The 2021 U.S. Open is five weeks away, and our Summer in the Cities coverage is heating up on the hard courts of Atlanta. As usual, the draw is filled with top American players and some high-profile international stars as well. Fallout from the Olympic shocker in Tokyo. We explain what went wrong for megastar Naomi Osaka in her home country. And this superstar wants in-match coaching. This legend agrees, but... This guy disagrees. Wait until you hear what our experts have to say. We are all about the flow on TC Live next. And night has fallen in Atlanta. Welcome to Tennis Channel Live presented by Fidelity Investments. Long day and long night of tennis in Atlanta has wrapped up. Coming up on TC Live, we'll give you a wrap-up of all the tennis on both sides of the pond. Atlanta and Kitzbühel in action today. Naomi Osaka, the fallout continuing from her shocking defeat in Tokyo. And my partners here will go toe-to-toe, tete-a-tete, to debate in-match coaching. Can't wait to see where you guys end up on that. Hi there, Rob Simulker here, Tracy Austin, Kamal Murray. How you guys doing? Long day of tennis here at Tennis Channel, but a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I love that last match. That was fun. I loved seeing Curio so invested, so engaged, and still was able to throw in the tweener, right, with the serve, underhand that was serve. Fun. And how about, I don't know what you call that. He let that ball go behind him and hit that, that other shot. It was incredible. Some, yeah, you, some entertaining shots, but mostly just really focused. Yeah, and, and using them at times where he had big leads where he could afford to blow a point, where normally we sort of see it at 30-all or deuce where it's inopportune time. Right. So definitely getting a little bit wiser with his antics and his entertainment. <laughs> we got Pete Curios, a little fun, but also some good tennis from him. Well, earlier in the day, we saw some quality tennis from a bunch of Americans in the draw. John Isner, he's had... A lot of success in Atlanta. He's got a whole room full of trophies. They've played this thing ten times. He's got eight finals, five championships, and he was in action today against a game, J.J. Wolf, who came out rocking the mullet, and he was rocking more than the hairstyle today. Yeah, the mullet is back, and it's great to see J.J. back. He was out with for eight months with hip surgery, and uh, J.J. couldn't get it done in that first set. He's a great athlete, but it was Isner who had the one break, and in the second set tiebreak, J.J. Wolf in the near court really stepped up. He played at Ohio State for a few years. He's tremendously aggressive, excellent backhand return. Just played a much more solid tiebreak than Isner did. But in that third set, it was Isner who served so well. He only faced one break point the entire match, and he got that 36 ace to close out the match. And when John Isner is serving well, you see the handshake there, the size differential. 
<laughs> Hard to miss there. But when Isner, who's obviously very comfortable, Kamal, on that court, he's serving like that, it's going to be a tough order for anybody. Yeah, you know, the former Georgia Bulldog, you know, a guy that loves that term, has played it as far as, as, as long as I can remember, he's always played that. This is about the time where he starts to heat up and start to make his push toward the, to the U.S. Open. And when he's serving 36 aces, you know, J.J. Wolf, all he can do is guess. And, you know, later in the match, the experience of Isner kind of took over, especially late, late in the third set. It did. And, you know, J.J., his service percentage dropped to mid-40s for first service percentage in, in the third set. Uh, but this is a guy, J.J. Wolf, who is so young, Kamal. He is so physical. He's got big weapons, all-court player, very good athlete. So I expect him to rise in the rankings. Another American was in action earlier today as well. Taylor Fritz went on center court to take on Evgeny Donskoy, and Fritz was sharp. Yeah, you know, early in the match, we saw a lot of great serve plus ones, a la Paul Anacone, right? Just really solid service games, playing well, got the break uh, early in the first set, and then from there, just held. And, it, and then when you get to 5-3, you know, you see Taylor Fritz here have a nice, clean service game to finish out this set here. And that's what you want to see from the Americans who's just coming back from injury, starting to build some momentum ahead of the U.S. Open. And really in the second set, everything kind of going his way here, getting a little shank return win, a shank return winner. And then you love to see, you know, just a nice break here just to set himself up to serve the match out. And serve it out he does right here. Match point, beautiful backhand winner. And you see the Americans are finishing the first set as well as finishing the second set on the service games with no hiccups. That also is also always a positive sign for the Americans leading into the U.S. Open. Brandon Nakashima, the match of the night, and this was a little bit more than he might have expected against this college player from the local Georgia program. Yeah, Brandon Nakashima in the near court started out so well. Five love, won that first set in just 28 minutes. He was driving the ball. In the second set, Trent Bride in the far court, Georgia Bulldog, he started to play much better and good tactics. He started hitting the ball in the center of the court, not giving Nakashima angles, and he started targeting the Nakashima forehand. Nakashima got tight in that second set, and they both stayed really close to four all in the third, and Nakashima was tight up to that point, but that's when he started to unload and started to play much more aggressive. And this was a missed opportunity from Trent Bride, missing that high forehand ball. He knows he was so close, but what a great showing from Trent Bride. Just 21 years old and still in college. Kamal, this is a player you know very well named Nakashima. What did you think of his performance tonight? As Tracy mentioned, a little bit tight at some points, managed to get through, but what does he need to tighten up in the next round? You know, I think it's a young player who had probably the biggest week of his short career here, getting to the final last week. And just dealing with a little bit of that hangover effect. I mean, we see young players who have big weeks and struggle to sort of repeat and reset themselves for the next week. And so I think, you know, today was he was lucky to survive this test here. And hopefully he can sort of have a good night's sleep, reset, and come out with a clear head tomorrow. But also saw, you know, the, the book on Brand is kind of getting out there where you, you know, you serve and make him hit a forehand for the second ball or you know, you open up that right side and try to get more forehands and backhands. And I think that's something that Brand's going to have to address in the short term before it becomes, you know, a thing like we see with Vera, Vera serve, right? You know, we've got to start to make some corrections and some adjustments so that, you know, he can sort of, um, you know, just be a little less predictable. All right, Kamal, the match that you just called, of course, Anderson Kyrgios. They had to wait around a little while, Tracy, but uh, Nick came out there ready to is. play. Yeah, and it's amazing. Anderson misses that. It's <laughs> really one of the easier shots that you're going to see. 
and you're just so rattled by the underhand serve that he misses it. Yeah, you know, this was a lot, of, a lot of good tennis here. I mean, really, the match was dead even. The first set was all the way to the tiebreaker, and even in the second set. This is a shot. There what do is. you call that? I don't mm. know. Tweener. But it's just so unusual. He had plenty of time to hit a regulation forehand. But, you know, Nick, Nick always takes the hard road. <laughs> and, you know, Kevin Anderson did a good job of sort of just staying level-headed mm. and staying uh, even-faced. But, you know, Nick Kyrgios was serving too good. Kevin Anderson did the best he could, but one loose service game in the second set when Nick is serving that well. Actually had more aces than Kevin Anderson did, which you don't see that often against Kevin Anderson. You know, that, that one hiccup just sort of cost him the match, and you just can't have that against, you know, Nick Kyrgios when he's serving, you know, 14, 15 aces uh, and only losing 10 points on the serve in, in the first set. And you saw a couple of other spots in the match where Kyrgios started to talk to the chair umpire at one point about the let cord not being called. He, he got into it a little bit here and there, but... Unlike some past performances, he refocused and got the job done. You know, Tracy, it's very interesting because you see, you know, moments like that often derail Nick. And I don't know what it is about Atlanta or what it is about this environment this year where he sort of, you know, brought it back in, stayed focused, and sort of stayed engaged in the match and didn't let him and Muhammad's interaction sort of derail him. Yeah, he kind of let off some steam, as you talked about, talked to the umpire, but then he got back to business. And he's played so little this year. He played so little last year. Nick Kyrgios shut it down during COVID and didn't leave Australia. And then this year's just played three tournaments. It seems like maybe he has, hopefully, a new perspective. And he'll just come at it with total engagement each time that he plays. Because I really liked what I saw. A little bit of entertainment, but mostly just wanting to get the W. And, you know, he seemed like he had great tactics as well. He was drawing with his two-handed cross-court backhand. He was drawing Anderson away from that left, from that left side, and Anderson really didn't handle it well. All right, well, that sets us up for a full day of tennis in Atlanta on Wednesday. Here's a look at our Cadillac order of play from Atlanta. And you see this is bookended by some Americans. Taylor Fritz and Stevie Johnson will lead things off. And then the nightcap will be Bjorn Fratangelo, an American qualifier, will take on Riley Opelka. What do you think about this matchup? What jumps out at you, Kamal? You know, the Taylor Fritz and Steve Johnson matches is one of the, the, the most even matches on the schedule for tomorrow. Steve Johnson, regardless of ranking, regardless of how his year has been, he's an American that, that everyone respects. And I think his serving his forehand, as we've seen over the years, is, is still something hard. It's tough to beat. Okay, I'm going with Milos Raonic. He's the number one seed. He got a bye, so his first match out, he has to play Nakashima. I think Nakashima will play much better tomorrow. He won't be the favorite. He'll be playing loose. He had to play three sets against the arrested Raonic tomorrow, so a big, big order for him tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. All right, we'll take a break, come back with some more. The tennis world, of course, still talking about the shocking loss of Naomi Osaka. She could have used some coaching out there, and so we'll talk about coaching on court during matches. Should it happen? Should it not happen? We'll have a debate when we come back on TC Live. Tennis Channel Live is presented by Fidelity Wealth Management. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. 
back with TC Live. And Stefano Tsitsipas, of course, made his first Grand Slam final earlier this year in Roland Garros. You see him standing there, of course, next to Djokovic, who won it. And after his great week in Paris, he had some things to say online about coaching. He said, you know, I think coaching should be allowed in every single match. During the, during the match, as every point, it should be allowed in tennis. And then Nick Kyrgios, who we just saw win in Atlanta, said, sorry, I disagree, Steph. I do not think we should have coaching. We've got to figure it out alone, which is interesting for Kyrgios, who doesn't always figure it out. And then Billie Jean King steps into this and says, ah, actually, I think I agree with Tsitsipas. It should be allowed on every point. Absolutely legal. So this is quite a debate we've got going on. Guys, what do you think? Coaching allowed every single point? Kamal, you're a coach. Would you like to have a chance to jump in there mid-match? Well, you know, I think, first of all, I think whatever rules exist for the women need to exist for the men. So we have on-court coaching in the men's game. I mean, the women's game. We need to have it in the, in the men's game. Uh, secondly, I think that, you know, t- you know, tournaments 250 and below are still tournaments where there should be some teaching going on. It's where the players that are up and coming are learning how to win matches, learning how to make adjustments. And if we're trying to groom the next round of stars, those are good platforms to do so. Uh, And lastly, you know, for years, tennis has been trying to find a way to up the entertainment factor, you know, like the NBA, NFL does. And I think the on-court coaching interactions that I've seen from some of the players uh, has been, you know, downright entertaining. And I, I, welcome, <laughs> I welcome sort of a way to sort of bring the game to the future uh, and make it more exciting for the audience. Okay, Kamal, so this is the first time we're on together on <laughs> TC Live, but I'm going to disagree with you. Um, nothing against you personally, but I really do think that it's so important for players to figure it out on their own. That's the integrity of our sport. That's the way that we were raised. You know, it's my assets, my best assets, whatever they are, speed, serve or lack of serve, the way that I'm able to figure out points on the fly and adjust my tactics, I think that's really important. I also think that there are top players who can afford, say, more expensive coaches like a Kamal Murray or a Mats Vlander. That's not fair that they have a better head on their shoulders coming out to help them with the assists versus some of the players, the lower-ranked players, are just happy to have a coach on board. So, I give you the fact that it has been entertaining. I don't like the women having coaching and, and not the men. It, it's not a good optic. But I think that it's really important that, uh, you know, we keep the integrity of the sport and we're able to just figure it out. Like, for example, I don't have the best serve in the world, but I'm really good at thinking through a match. But so if someone's able to come have somebody help them in a match, I'm not able to have someone... Let's get Nick Kyrgios come out and hit my serve, and then I get to come out and play the rest of the point. I don't think that's fair. Kamau, you, you of course, uh, coached Sloane Stevens to some great wins, including a grand slam. Can you think of some scenarios where you would have wanted to jump in and coach her mid-match, and what, what kind of advice would you have wanted to, to give her in some of her tougher matches? Well, I look at, you know, prior to winning a Grand Slam, I look at some of the titles that she won in the 250s in Auckland and Acapulco uh, and Charleston where there were some hairy moments in those matches and one or two adjustments ended up being the key. But I will say that, you know, to Tracy's point, if you're going to win a Grand Slam, you know, you're going to probably end up in the Hall of Fame. And I do feel like, you know, Hall of Fame sort of recognition, you know, should come with some of the, the, the best and the wisest and the more mature players. And so that's why I stop it at the level of 250. 
and you don't have it in Hall of in a Grand Slam. And I think maybe if there should be coaching, it should be at some junior tournaments because that's when they're learning, and that's when it's really helpful to be able to do it in the moment, so they would learn the best. But I think once you get to the pros, you really should be able to figure it out on your own. That's the beauty of our sport, and there's money on the line, and that's I, I think where the line should be drawn. Well, I'll tell you what, come out to your point about entertainment. If the conversations could be mic'd and we could hear them at home, that would be something that I'd enjoy listening to. What would they actually tell those players in the middle of a match? That could be interesting. Well, we do hear that on the WTA when there is coaching. And, you know, oftentimes what we see come out is just the, the emotional management. And that's what really bothers me because you need to be able to stay calm and clear and, and a clear thought process. Well, I got Tracy here all week with me. By Friday, <laughs> we'll get She's this settled. She's going to be on my side. We will get this <laughs> settled by the end of the week. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, everyone's still talking about the big upset in Tokyo. Naomi Osaka will break down what happened when we come back on TC Live. Back here on TC Live, presented by Fidelity and Naomi Osaka. She lit the cauldron in Tokyo, won her first two rounds and falls in the third round of the Olympics. Marketa Vondrusova takes her out and a disappointing end to this Olympic journey for Naomi Osaka. Obviously, Tracy, it has been such uh, an emotional uh, journey for Osaka since Roland Garros when she pulled out, skipped Wimbledon, didn't see her on the court much, announced that she's going to go to Tokyo. Of course, she knew she was going to be lighting the torch, so a lot of pressure on her. What's your reaction to this loss? Well, first of all, lighting the torch, she said undoubtedly that was going to be, this is going to be my biggest single athletic achievement I will ever have. So that was so such an exciting moment for her. First time a tennis player has lit the Olympic cauldron. Then I think overall, it was just so much pressure for Naomi Osaka in her home country of Japan. So many expectations. And of course, she hadn't played since Roland Garros. So not played for a couple of months. Um, So many other players, top players had already lost. So then Naomi became that much more of a favorite. And she's playing against a player in Vondrasova who has good experience at former finalist at the French Open and played a really solid match. So many winners, very few unforced errors. And for Naomi, things just started to really unravel, started making way too many unforced errors. She said, you know, my attitude wasn't great, Kamau, because she just felt trouble handling with the, coping with the pressure. And she was very honest about it. And she's talked about her mental health issues. Yeah. You know, I think that, um, you know, part of sort of the game is, is getting yourself ready for competition. And it also, you know, talks about the mental part. So not having mentally competed for almost two months mm-hmm. uh, and then having to come and deal with the pressure of playing Olympics in your home country and lighten, you know, the cauldron, I think that sort of war on her. But, I mean, let's face it, you know, Vondrosova can play. You know, she's a, a Roland Garros finalist. She's a lefty. She doesn't hit through the court. And so when you think about, you know, stylistically, she is the type of player that could give Naomi trouble because she's not going to hit through the court and, and give Naomi any pace that Naomi can kind of hit back at her. She's going to pull her left, pull her right, pull her short. And I think, you know, all the combination of just sort of the rust, um, you know, the pressure, and then playing a tricky lefty this early in a tournament, just sort of, it, it sort of came to a head. The question now, of course, turns to the hardcore season in the U.S., Tracy, and will we see her back here 
for Canada, for Cincinnati? Will she be focused on getting herself ready for the U.S. Open, where, of course, she's had so much success? I'm hoping so. Um, she's had so much success on the hard course. Two U.S. Opens on hard, two Australian Opens on hard. She has great memories from the U.S. Open. Um, so she, you know, she grew up basically in the United States, so she feels comfortable here. So I hope that she's able to understand that, yes, it was a lot of pressure, but I'm ready to go and try to get my third U.S. Open. All right. Well, meanwhile, there's clay court tennis going on as well. And Carlos Alcaraz, the up-and-coming Spaniard, he won, lifted his first trophy not too long ago. This was in Croatia at Umag. And then two short days later, he finds his way to Kitzbühel, Austria, where he's taking on a local wild card, Alex Erler. And Erler was lying in wait for Alcaraz. Yeah, you know, we talked about the same thing with Brandon, where Alcaraz had a, you know, a win last week and had to sort of quickly regroup, you know, get to a new location, check in a new hotel, and then face a very tough opponent who got in with a wild card and made great use of it. Um, you look at this guy, he was hitting inside-out forehands, really taking his shots, and second set, Alcaraz kind of got it together after losing the first set. But in the third set, you know, Erler took full advantage of the crowd, the crowd got behind him, and he just was ripping inside-in, inside-out forehands, and took full advantage of the wild card. And when you look at, you know, tournament director's decisions on who to give the wild card to, this is justification. This proved that this was a good decision and a well-deserved wild card in his home country. And this was an exciting match and a career win for that young man. All right, an upset win for him. And Alcaraz, who certainly broke through, is uh, on his way home to rest up for his next one. Let's take a look at what's going on in social media. And some big news here. Obviously, we've been wondering for a while with the COVID restrictions in place, would the Canadian tournaments in Toronto and Montreal happen? They announced today that they will. Yes, that is so exciting. Not only they are going to happen, but they'll have at least 5,000 spectators for each session. So that's huge news because that's a, a major tournament. It's been going on for so long, such a history, and a lead-up to the U.S. Open. All right. Yeah, this is one of the fans' you know, favorite stops. I got my favorite restaurant, Milos, in, in Montreal there. So, <laughs> you know, the players are looking forward to getting back there, and we're so happy that the Canadian government you know, was able to cooperate and give us access to, to that country. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll take a look at the lineup for tomorrow. Another full day. Kiss Buell starts us off at 5 a.m. Eastern time. Then we head to Atlanta for the day session, which starts at 1.30, a night session at 7 p.m. Then, of course, right back here with Tennis Channel Live. We'll take a break, wrap things up here from Santa Monica after this. Back on Tennis Channel Live, presented by Fidelity. And you might remember not too long ago, Francis Tiafo pulled off an upset win over Tsitsipas at Wimbledon. Well, the tables were turned at the Olympics, and Tsitsipas got his revenge, taking out Tiafo. And that means there are no American men left in the main draw, in the, in the men's singles draw in Tokyo. Yeah, Garon lost as well to Nisha Kori. And so I think Tsitsipas was just really hungry. He's very motivated. He lost a, a tough first round, five sets to Tiafo at Wimbledon. And that had to hurt after getting to the, the finals of the French. Uh, to leave Wimbledon that early, kind of your tail between your legs. So getting to the Olympics, he's got to be so proud to be playing for Greece. And uh, he took it to Francis. Yeah, you know, a little bit of a revenge win there. You know, Francis caught him fresh off the French Open final, hadn't played any grass court matches. Uh, it was a great opportunity for Francis at Wimbledon. He took full advantage of it. Um, you know, but Tissipas had a month to regroup. 
And, you know, these guys, you know, they, they have very long memories when it comes to losses, especially early in Grand Slams. And so, you know, a little bit of revenge went there. And, you know, Francis's first Olympics here. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it was still a good run there for the American men, um, but they're coming home. The men and women in singles, at least, all done in Tokyo. Let's take a look ahead again at our order of play presented by Cadillac tomorrow in Atlanta. Again, it'll be Taylor Fritz and Stevie Johnson leading things off. Then a couple of their matches, Raonic and Nakashima. And the nightcap, Bjorn Fratangelo, the qualifier against Riley Opelka. So a full day starts at 1.30 Eastern time. Wednesday, Tracy, anything. We talked about Raonic. What do you think about that last match, Opelka Fratangelo? Yeah, I actually love that match. Bjorn Fratangelo is a qualifier, so played two matches already and then has won another match there. So three matches under his belt in Atlanta. You know, sometimes those those qualifiers could be dangerous because they've already gotten used to the conditions, used to the heat. Opelka, I'm sure, loves the speed of the courts, though, in Atlanta. Yeah, it's going to be a good match. If it were me, I would have put the Johnson-Fritz match as a night match. Mm. I think that's going to be the, the match of the day. But we'll see. Lots of American flags flying in Atlanta. We will see. Looking forward to another full day on the hard courts as we continue our summer hardcore swing on the road to the U.S. Open. We'll be back tomorrow here at TC Live. For Tracy and Kamau, I'm Rob. We'll see you then.